This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. Well, this past year, we've had many conversations about inequities, and Wella Company is out with an inside look at gender equity in professional beauty. So here to share what they found and really also talk about her industry, which was shut down by the pandemic. We know that. Uh, we welcome Wella Company CEO, Annie Young-Scrivener. She is on the phone from the West Coast. And Annie, it's so nice to have you here with us. Um, before we get to the report, tell us about coming into your job last October. It had to have been a tough time to take over. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I actually started in December and as you can, you know, you get into a company, you really want to be able to have face-to-face conversation and connect. And for an industry where that face-to-face is so important, I would say that this new environment of digital has done two things. One, I was able to reach so many more people across the board. We're in 100 countries. We serve 500,000 salons. I was able to meet people virtually. But what I didn't get is that intimate one-to-one physical relationship, which I'm very hopeful as the economies open up, I will be able to do that. Well, and it's interesting. Um, Well, do you feel like it's getting better? I mean, do you see, what's the visibility you have? Do you see the world kind of opening up? It certainly feels that way, but we also know that we're doing it cautiously because we are certainly not out of the pandemic, at least not yet. I think, Carol, you know, certain parts of the world is doing better than others. I think Mm. we should be really proud of what's happening in the U.S. The U.K. has done a great job as well. But there are many parts of Europe which uh, people in their 70s still don't have their first shot. And it's really restricted the movement of people. Asia, believe it or not, has done a great job. And then you see spots in Latin America where things are popping up. So I think it really depends. But I think as um, Americans, we could be really proud of what's happening at home. Are you hopeful, though? Do you feel like you have more visibility about the second half of the year globally? And you guys are a global company, so I am curious. And I do hear that kind of repeatedly, too, from um, heads of companies that Asia has definitely made a lot of progress. And and they, of course, were the first among getting uh, globally getting the, the, the virus to begin with. So they're kind of ahead of us in terms of the timetable. But I do wonder, you know, what kind of visibility you feel like you've got at this point. We are really fortunate in having what we are seeing is, you know, the industry, the beauty industry has been significantly impacted. In fact, you know, closure, probably permanent closure of salons around 20% across the globe. And what we're seeing, though, is as the business comes back, customers are lining up and going back in. I'll give you specific examples. The salons are going to reopen shortly in the U.K., they're booked out until almost almost uh, four months in. Wow. Uh, Germany reopened at the beginning of March. And uh, because of the capacity constraints, we had hairdressers and stylists starting to schedule 8 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night to service their customers. So definitely people are very excited <laughs> to get back in the chair and see their colorists and their stylists. That's so- the good news. Yeah, that is definitely the good news. Tell us, though, about, I feel like, the troubling news. And that is, this past year, we've talked a lot about the inequities that have been 
it's not new, but just unearthed for another, you know, time and reminding us of the gaps that we have in society, um, the racism in society. You guys have done a report specifically, and you looked at gender equity in professional beauty, which I think is a world where women have had a lot of opportunities. You know, we conducted this report to really better understand the state of the professional services industry. And in beauty, you are right. 89% of people in this industry are female. The reality is, as we found out, majority of the decision-making are still held by men. How is that possible? Can I ask you? I'm just like sitting here thinking, how is that possible? I think that as you look at a lot of the, you know, the bigger companies, beauty companies, as I look at my peer group, a lot of them are still men. It's yeah. two, um, Nobby, uh, Cody, and myself that are women. A lot of them are ran by men today. And I think one of the ways that we could address that is by making sure every opening, every promotion, we have an equal slate. Right. A slate that's diverse, people of color, gender. And we always want to make sure it's the best candidate. But if we start with that lens, right. people, will bop, people will bubble up. And Annie, we were talking about the report that you guys did, the gender equity report from Wella. We were talking about kind of ironic, but kind of sad that, you know, in particular, there's so many women in the professional beauty business, and yet the senior positions seem to be still dominated by men. Um You've been in, you know, you've been in this industry, you've been in the consumer product industry for many years. What is it that still continues to hold women back, especially from the senior positions? I think that, you know, making sure that we have the right slating and to make sure that we have um, development programs where we're pulling people, women, and also people of color forward is going to be really critical. When you're diverse, gender-wise or ethnicity, you never want to get the job because of your color or your gender. You want to make sure that you're the best. I think that is a big role. I think the second piece for women is, particularly during the pandemic, you saw women fall back, and it's because when kids are not in school, they're at home, we're still majority of the caretaker. So making sure that we have the flexibility in organization is not only going to help women, it's also going to help men. So I think those are really critical. The last thing I would say is education. Making sure that every organization continues to invest in education, whether it's leadership development classes. For our industry, we have really looked at education um, critically. And to ensure that during the pandemic, we were also making sure that we were giving lessons to our clients, to our partners, so that they could elevate their skill set. I think those would be really key. I'm looking at some of the stats from the research you guys did. I know you mentioned some earlier, but 44% of beauty professionals closing their salons during the pandemic. I totally get that. Three out of 10 borrowed money. One out of seven cut back on work to take care of their kids or family. how nervous or concerned are you or worried about, you know, that some of this continues on the other side of the pandemic? It's not so easy to kind of start up again. Yeah, you know, some people are hit pretty hard. And I think it's actually some of the larger companies that will start to scale back on how many salons that they have. 
I think the vibrancy and the entrepreneurial spirit of the small business owner, what we see is they're adjusting. And I think many have migrated working for someone to become independent because what it allows them to do is to have the freedom to choose which hours, which day. And I think the evolution of the professional beauty industry is going to shift. And the U.S. is actually ahead of the curve. You'll see more independence. You'll see salon suites. We see it in the U.S., we see it in the U.K., and it's now migrating throughout Europe. So I think the industry will adjust and change. And technology definitely is in every industry. It's almost the DNA on how you connect with your clients, how you advertise your services, and we're really investing to help all of our salon owners and stylists do that as well. In fact, we have our largest education training coming up. This is the first time, uh, because it's such a physical world, we're going to do it digitally. We have like 24,000 people signed up for our education course. And we're waiving the fee so that we could ensure that we could help the industry, which is very exciting coming up this month. One thing I want to ask you, and this is a, is a conversation I'm increasingly having as we talk about the importance of DNI, diversity and inclusion. And yet I will have, I recently had someone on who was creating a SPAC and it was all women. And I said, well, wait a minute, we've shown that diversity is what really uh, propels the top and bottom line. That's where you get the most, you know, out of a company where you have mixture of thought, men and women, people from all different kinds Mm -hmm. of backgrounds. How do you approach that at your company? I know in this research that you say in just the three months since the company was formed on December 1st, 2020, 70% of your new hires have been women. I applaud you, but I do wonder how do you balance the importance of making sure women are hired and seen um, and given, you know, opportunities to advance, but also making sure you balance it with diversity of thought among your employee base? It's a great question. I always start with the consumer. I think that any company that is consumer centric will win because you'll understand um, their needs and you'll create the right innovation and services. And the reality is 85% of purchasing power is still held by women. We are in an industry that we serve mostly women. Men are also important. And at the end of the day, what you want is you, you want that diversity. And you want people to think differently so that you don't have the same blind spot. And for us, what we look at is a very diverse slate. And then the best candidate you have to choose the best candidate. You can't say, I'm going to pick that person because they're a woman. So I do think that was the right question that you asked at SPAC um, on why would you want someone all the same. For us, we Mm. look at a diverse slate and the best person rises. And I think that goes to all levels of the organization. It starts at the leadership team, the board, and throughout. And there are certain areas, whether it's technology, engineering, maybe it's in the plant that you have to work harder. People are out there. It starts with the slate. Yep. Hey, listen, while we have you just have about a minute and a half or so or about a minute left here, you understand the consumer area. You were CEO of Godiva. You had held senior positions at Starbucks. You started at PepsiCo. We're there for uh, many years. You've been on the boards of Tiffany, Yum Brands. You were on Macy's board. You know, 
From that vantage point, what do you see as the outlook for businesses overall, the consumer, the economy in the U.S. and globally? And just got about a minute or so. Look, I think that digital is changing the world. And every company had a goal for digital transformation. They've already hit it five years. So I think we have to stay very focused. And I think we have to look at trends. What's happening in Asia that's going to migrate to here? What's happening here migrate to different areas? And I think being very focused on the innovation needs of your consumer will help you win. What keeps you up at night, just quickly? I think um, I think making sure that we focus. For my organization, there's so many opportunities. Focusing, aligning the organization, and make sure that our actions also positively impact the community and the planet. It's going to be critical. Okay, going to leave it on that note, and hopefully we can check in with you uh, as uh, the year progresses. Annie Young-Scrivener, she's Chief Executive Officer at Wella Company, joining us on the phone from the West Coast. Just a reminder of how we finished up the week. We had quite a rally in those major equity averages for the week overall, up nearly 2% on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, up 2.7% on the S&P, and on the NASDAQ, a gain of more than 3%. Bloomberg Business Week, we've got a huge team. My thanks to everybody this week. From all of us and Tim Stenovic, have a great and safe weekend. I'm Carol Masser, and this is Bloomberg Radio.